Well, hello and welcome to Inexos Access All Areas. My name is B, and I will be co-hosting this series of podcasts with my Inexos nerd, Hayden Murdoch. We will be delving deep with you all to explore everything there is to know about this iconic band of brothers in excess, sharing music, tours, videos, albums, and oh, so much more. Well, hello, welcome to Inexos. Access, access All Areas, Episode 16, where we take the deep dive into all things great about NXS, get them in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and have a lot of fun along the way with listeners and sharing knowledge and ideas and interaction. B, how are you? How's your NXS week been? It's been great, thank you. How are you down there? You're cold, I hear. Yeah, nine degrees and plenty of face masking uh, <laughs> at the moment down here, unlike where you are in, oh, I'll say Queensland, and I would say the coast of New South Wales, between Queensland and, and uh, top in New South there. Wales there. Yeah, I'm, I'm in a lot, lot sunnier weather. It's beautiful, actually. I've just been outside. It's very sunny. Mm. Rub it in. <laughs> so, yeah, yes, my NXS week. Oh, it's, yeah, there's been a lot going on, hasn't there? Yeah, there's been a lot going on. I don't know if we should save some of it for the news, but we've got an exciting guest coming on later. We do, we do. Um, I guess we came off the second episode last week of our uh, U2 uh, double, um, I guess, uh, feature, where we sort of, I guess, compared the ascent and uh, the successes and ups and downs of both NXS and U2 and just provided a bit of a, a parallel or a comparison uh, for fans out there. And I guess what's interesting is the amount of people who, who, who love both bands yeah. or, in some cases, uh, weren't as aware of U2 um, and have I guess ironically been inspired to go check out some of their albums and yeah. I know Pedro was one of those people throughout yeah. the week he's like oh yeah he is uh, like, actually yeah, they're better than I thought no I might have to go recheck them out and I said well let you do that keep checking in excess out too <laughs> yeah yeah it sparked a lot didn't it I was I was um wondering where the um, other U2 fans were I was hoping that we would have got a few of those um put in their two pennies in but they didn't did they wonder if they'll come along later on let us know. Well, yeah, sometimes, as we've seen, there's a lag effect with episodes. As we've seen, look, we've got still a lot of people discovering episode one with us at the moment, which is mm, great, true. and episode two, and just getting involved. And I know myself personally with uh, podcasts like The Hustle and uh, Rock Solid, which I've mentioned before. I mean, I, I discovered those podcasts, you know, three, four, five years, six years after they came out. So there's still some people in the world who don't know, don't know what a podcast is. I know, B, if you found that when you're in conversation, what's a podcast? Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, I guess that's 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 why, you know, we may have a reach with some of the U2 fans, you know, in future future months and years down the track listening in. Yeah, and um, looking at the figures that are coming in, because I like looking at the stats, um, we've had big influx of people um, downloading this week. Excellent, excellent. And I know one of the things that... Uh did connect with a lot of people uh, through all the the uh, fan engagement sites was the uh, the set on last week, which was the the tribute between Bono and the Edge on the Letterman show, mm. uh, which was sort of a an acoustic uh, version of Stuck in a Moment you can't get out of. And um, uh, I, I know a lot of people uh, found that that had you know a bit of a tear in the eye when they heard that sort of version, and he hadn't actually heard that little bit of a tribute song to Michael. Um, yes. What's your thoughts on that, B? Well, I like I like listening to the Edge's voice as well even he had part of that I thought it was just all of all Bono but it actually was the actual all of them wasn't it, 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 it put input into that song it's gorgeous 
when I saw you two live for the first time, I, I didn't realise how much of the backup vocals uh, the Edge uh, yeah. actually does provide, and he he really does have quite a a good range with his voice yeah. that sort of sounds eerily similar to Bono. Um, but uh, yeah, I thought I think that that particular version there and just the way it was sort of put across and uh, the lyric sentiment is something that um, was great. And I know in our episode with uh, our guest later today, there is a little bit of a U2 crossover again, mm. so we might park that and just elaborate yes. that a bit later. Okay, in terms of uh, Patreon, some people have, uh, as we announced last week, coming in to support the podcast. Um, look, we, we take our hats off to you. We, we've been so flattered and, and humbled by some of the support out there, and um, we, we've uh, probably this week had uh, a number of people suddenly start contributing to help us, you know, invest in this podcast, invest in equipment, um, you know, resources, um, guests, etc. there, and, and put a, a product that's going to grow and grow and get better as we, we get more confident in what we're doing and uh, more knowledgeable with all the, the techniques involved. So um, I know B each week will probably call out, you know, those who've nearly contributed. And as we've said, some of these people will be coming up on our Zoom podcast in two weeks. And uh, I'll hand it over to you for those who've been very generous in the last seven days. Yes. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much, everybody. I wasn't expecting such a such a huge response within the first 24 hours we just had people just uh, coming on board um, a really big special thank you to Foxy she worked really hard her credit card wouldn't work and she's just overloaded herself she's actually not once not twice but she's actually four times donated to the podcast how <laughs> wonderful is that um, I just I'm most overwhelmed thank you so much you are just a, 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 a wonderful person to help us out with that so thank you Foxy thank you very very much so um, we've had three people um, come in at the platinum range we've had six people come in at gold and two people in at silver and two in at bronze and it's still coming in as I'm talking and somebody else popping in there as well so I'd like to give a shout out um, all so before I do shout out these people, if you can remember to inbox me um, through the Facebook page or Instagram or on the comments and just let me know your name when you donated because it's it's really tricky because it, it, for some reason podcast doesn't allow you to put your name and it only gives me your email so i hope i've got everybody so number one foxy thank you so much carmen carmen was our first contributor so thank you very much carmen jim jim is part of the team in a way he helps with the induction and petition so thank you jim Carrie Ann, Carrie Ann is part of the team also, but thank you. You don't, nobody needs to have put extra in, but they are. Sarah, Larry, um, Susan Purvis, Daniela, Anne Marie, Lisa Mack, Felicia, and Doodle. <laughs> I knew you got in touch with me, but please come back to me with your real name. But I quite like saying Doodle for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you everybody and I'm so sorry if I have missed you out please get back to me and I can shout you out again and, and with our uh, Zoom calls, uh, uh, we're going to be doing, uh, as I said earlier, uh, a Zoom call. Uh, we've got a two-parter coming up this week and next week, but the week after we're going to do our first sort of uh, Zoom call uh, contributors. And it's our way of getting to know you a bit better. You know, the subtleties of being the region you're in, the fandom you have, the experiences. Uh, I really want to include you in, in on this particular journey because... Mm. 
I reckon people power can put pressure on getting this band into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I have no doubt about it. It's happened in the past. There'll be somebody in New York or in Cleveland and the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame who gets submissions coming through. Oh, yeah, actually, that band. Oh, gee, there is a bit of a group behind them. Actually, gee, we've forgotten about them. That's literally how some of these decisions get made uh, in terms of inducting artists. So uh, this is a really start of a journey, uh, and it's going to probably take maybe a couple of years of a ground swell, but uh, uh, the material and the band's successes uh, are only one half of getting them in. It's actually a bit like a, a presidential election, B. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We feel a bit like one of the, the, the parties at the moment creating a convention to uh, highlight the virtues of uh, our favourite act, um, albeit not Mr Trump or Mr Biden. Well, I, t- I tell you what, though, what this is bringing is, is it's actually bringing a lot of people together who have got ideas. I've got people with yep. a lot of ideas, and we, we're getting together. So you, over the next couple of weeks, months, you'll see a lot going on. We're going to be doing a lot. So you just keep tuning, everybody. All right, time for a news flash. for the excess news with Hayden from around the world. All right, uh, news flash. Um, in terms of Australian charts, at the time of recording, we don't have an update yet. We're about four hours away from the swing over into the new week charts coming out in Australia, so we don't have an update, although we did have two last week, so that probably sort of aligns us over two weeks. Um, I can reiterate, though, that last week the album did go from 39 to 30 and hit over 301 weeks, so um, hopefully it stabilises and it keeps keeps staying in that, uh, you know, upper reaches of the top 50 um, uh, and climbing. Uh, In terms of America, Need You Tonight Part 2, we have had a little bit of a jump this week, B, uh, a big jump from 14 to 13. (laughs) Uh, So uh, for... Yeah, so oh, we're uh, gradually nudging, nudging our way up uh, to, to higher levels. Yeah, it's still going up. Yeah, it's not been in the top 10 yet, has it? No, no, but oh. it, uh, it's pushing 20 weeks in the, in the top 100. Yeah. So songs in America, you know, they're based on airplay and stuff like that. And uh, Leap is probably an artist who's got two or three songs there and having quite a bit of a, a presence in the zeitgeist. So mm. she's she's part of a bit of a, once uh, a new wave of salt. But uh, I think she's a British artist who's who's stepping into the consciousness over there. And I guess uh, when someone becomes more popular and popular, and requesting her songs, uh, she's got three I think three songs in the top 100 at the moment. This is the highest one uh, where it's at. So credit to her, but. It is an NXS song, so we'll probably <laughs> bow to the masters and the originals on that. So, uh, but it'd be great to see it hit number one. That'd be pretty exciting, wouldn't it? Yeah, I think it's it's been played a lot with TikTok, isn't it? It's TikTok thing that all the kids are into. I think so. Yeah, I think we need yeah. to get into this TikTok business. And, it, and it's thi- <laughs> but you know, it's things like that that sometimes remind people, like, oh, where's that song come from, or who who wrote that, and it creates a sort of a media mm. attention on the band. Um, so. You know, all of these things conspire and add up to the bigger list. Mm. You don't fancy doing a TikTok with me, Hayden? No. No. No, I'm not a TikTok guy, to be frank. <laughs> or to be Harry. <laughs> uh, not my thing. Not your thing, <laughs> Harry High Pants. Mm. Well, I could see you and your daughter in the car doing a TikTok. I will. I'm going to do one. I'm going to start them off. I think we need to, <laughs> I think we need to, need to do lots of in excess TikToks. I think this is the thing. I think we should also have a go. 
I'd love to see it. It'd be great, wouldn't it? Everyone <laughs> starting the uh, in excess TikToks off. Well, it's, it's one of those Chinese companies that we're worried about our data, so, you know, we in threat. <laughs> Whatever. I think we're already in threat. <laughs> All over All right. Facebook. <laughs> All right. Well, yes, we're about now, my mate. I think we've known... Talk about my pro- mate. <laughs> yeah, well, your mate Tim, uh, we've known for a little bit of time we through have. you reaching out to him that he has been selling his farm in sort of the southern highlands of New South Wales. And look, it's probably come out in the last couple of weeks that it has sold, and then it's come out that he sold to a very famous Australian movie director called called George Miller, mm-hmm. who made uh, Happy Feet and made Babe, and more famously made Mad Max, and then did the sequel recently, Fury Road. Mm-hmm. Um, we won't get cheap and sort of personal and go into the numbers of what it. No. Soul for you can go online and find that. Yes. Um, we'll be, uh, uh, I guess, uh, more than just saying that one celebrity has, has had a property for many years and sold it to another. And good on Tim and good on George. I think it's, it sounds like a pretty cool uh, property to enjoy oneself at. Yeah, yeah. Um, actually, Tim put something out on his personal page of a beautiful backdrop of the uh, the farm with um, the falls behind it. So yeah, what a stunning, stunning place to have had. But I'm sure the place that he's buying or yeah. has um, is going to be equally as, as nice for them all. So um, good, to, yeah. good look to the Farris and, family. And speaking of sort of regional mm. New South Wales, um, mm. uh, the town of Ballina, which has previously been spoken about as the uh, venue for an in excess museum, and that's sort of the town where, you know, Chris Murphy lives uh, mm. these days. Yeah you know, the seventh member of Inexcess. Um, there has been some pushes for some movie studios to open up in Ballina and you get the feeling if anything from Hollywood or anything sort of uh, big comes to Ballina, uh, uh, Chris, oh, gosh, uh, yes. the famous impresario Svengali of Inexcess will have his hand on it uh, and involved. No um, but <laughs> I guess in the movie industry, um, a lot of uh, production costs are cheaper in Australia to run based on their dollar. So mm. uh, there is often, you know, Movies have made out here like The Matrix and Superman Returns and all sorts of movies uh, have been made in Australia over the years. I think Mission Impossible 2, a lot of it was here. So, uh, but yeah, maybe maybe if things happen in Ballina for the movie studio, maybe it does accelerate the museum because uh, I think we've said, imagine flying over uh, Ballina and looking down and seeing the big in excess sign with the big red X big on it. That'd be pretty X, cool, yeah. wouldn't it be? Well, there's lots of lovely land up there, so I can see why they're going for that place. There's a lot of sharks there, yeah. though. You have to be careful. <laughs> <laughs> cool. And just one other little bit of news. It popped up uh, sort of between me sending some of this info out to you, B. Oh. but uh, there was a lovely photo that got posted on uh, Facebook today with uh, Tiger and Rhett, uh, which looks like it might be in Bali. I think Rhett just had his 58th birthday. And uh, Tiger might have just had uh, her birthday recently as well. Um, but uh, it was a lovely photo of seeing them together. And I, I guess without getting too personal, or into the family, you know, dynamics and things. Mm-hmm. Um, I know growing up that, you know, probably Tiger didn't have much access to Rhett and to Michael's mother and, 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 and sister Tina and things like that. And I guess the proximity of Tiger living in Perth mm-hmm. uh, and Bali being sort of a couple of hour flight away, yeah. uh, maybe that proximity has allowed them to rekindle, you know, uh, you know uncle and, and niece relationship, but they look very happy together. Yeah, yeah. Well, she's, she's, uh, she hangs out quite a bit with his daughter as well her, her cousin right so um, I think that's yeah. probably a lot lot to do with it too which is lovely hey this is Tim Farris and you're listening to Access All Areas in Hayden and B hey
And now for Topic of the Week. Well, on today's show, we have Richard Simkin. Richard Simkin was a young teenager back in the 80s who was very cheeky and got to know the band very, very well. Um, he got inspired by the band so much, he became a photographer and um, took many photos with lots of different people from around the world. And he made the actual book called um, Michael Hutchins in Pictures, which is just truly beautiful. So Richard Simkins, this is somebody that we are very jealous of. Richard was a great guest. Um, B and I did record this sort of yesterday and B did jump in and out of her lunch break, didn't you B, uh, to get your questions in uh, at the right times and uh, I was sort of trying to coordinate things within that. And uh, But we, we think that, you know, Richard uh, had so much great material that we wanted to cut it and put it in over sort of two weeks. So uh, we're sort of going to chop it up a little bit, but hopefully the flow of, uh, of Richard will keep you entertained because I know for me, I was, it was almost like, you know, say hello and then just, Let you know, go. Richard just talk <laughs> and boy could, could he articulate some great stories yes. and some great feedbacks of his experiences and just his life mm-hmm. um, uh, with a real NXS twist on it so mm-hmm. look, we hope you enjoy it as much as we do and uh, we welcome uh, you know feedback throughout the next seven days uh, either you know to Richard who's a, a fan of ours and uh, a regular listener um, but also more importantly we're, we're great fans of his yes okay here we go Hello, everybody. Welcome to uh, Richard Simpkin, who's joining us today for our, uh, our probably our second uh, deep dive interview behind uh, Blair from Don't Change. Hello, Richard. How are you? I'm well. How are you? Very, very good. Uh, we're in lockdown here in Melbourne. I know you're in probably sunshine and freedom in Sydney. Um, so we are a bit oh, jealous. There's so, much sunshine and, there's so much sunshine and freedom in Sydney, Hayden. It's crazy. <laughs> I'm going to go down to the beach today. Oh, wow. In, uh, August, I think August is the month I've always been jealous of Sydney because you can wear a T-shirt and sunscreen lotion, whereas in Melbourne today it's 12 degrees with hail and uh, oh, major, no. major zephyrs. Yeah. Oh, well, we, we'll continue on. Let's hope the weather gets better in the next couple of months. Correct, correct. Now, for those who don't know Richard or uh, have probably been living under a rock, Richard's had a, a long association sort of within excess um, and also has uh, in his uh, journeys been quite um, uh, an influence in terms of his photography work and uh, meeting many, many celebrities when it probably wasn't that popular or in vogue. Uh, Richard, I had to laugh the other day at that article you posted. Um, uh, do you want to share with the listeners what that was about? Sure. So I, I uh, first started meeting celebrities in 1989. In fact, that was the year that I met Michael and uh, the rest of the In Excess guys. I met Michael first. That's why I said his name first. But I met all of In Excess a couple of days after I met Michael for the first time. Uh, but in 89, there was, a, there was a hotel in Sydney called the Siebel Townhouse. In fact, that's where I first met Michael, thinking about it now. And... Um, all the celebrities that came to Sydney, well, at least 90% of them that Stay came there. to Sydney, <laughs> stayed at the Sydney. Yeah, In fact, yeah. Elton John had his own suite there called the Elton John Suite. It was so, right. he was there so often. Yeah. Um, so I used to go down there on weekends or after school or even sometimes not even go to school and just head down to the Siebel and hang outside with an autograph book. 
And, uh, you know, almost on a daily basis, you can meet a celebrity. Now, they may not be an international celebrity, but, you know, you can meet James Rain or, mm. you know, the split end guys. There was always mm. someone staying there. It was such a vibrant, you know, happening place. And um, in 89, I met a couple of other fans that were doing the same hobby, you might say. And one of those girls said to me, come back tomorrow. Well, of course I was anyway, because it was such a cool place <laughs> to hang out at. And I was only 15 at the time, I think. And um, she said, I'm going to bring a photo to show you that might impress you. So I went back the next day and, of course, so did she. And there she was and she'd shown me a photo of her father with John Lennon. And John, her father went to New York in the 70s on, on a holiday, was walking through um, Central Park, had his camera with him because he was a tourist, not like today we've all got our cameras on us with our yes. phones. Yeah. And there's John and Yoko in the park. And because he had the camera, he thought, why not go up and say, hey, and get a photo? So he got a photo of John Lennon and Yoko Ono sitting in between them both on, on this, you know, bench in, in the park there. She shows me this photo and she's like, you know, autographs are pretty cool, but so are photos with celebrities. And I was like, wow, that is that is cool. Like an autograph is a, is a scribble, but having mm. a photo taken with somebody that's going to be remembered in history, you know, probably forever like John Lennon, yeah. that impressed me as a 15-year-old. So I went out soon after and got a cheap $90 camera. And um, every time I met a celebrity, I'd get a photo with them. And I did that for 25 years. And in the 90s, um, I became a photographer and off the back of hanging out with NXS, you know, I used to practice photography on the guys. Good, good subjects, all of them, all six of them. Yeah. Um, but oh, the media started doing stories on me. In fact, the very first story that was done on me about meeting celebrities was in May of 1990. And I was still at the NXS studios when it came out. And I was thinking, oh, God, I hope these guys don't see uh, the magazine because I was so embarrassed that they would know that I was meeting other celebrities other than just in excess. Oh, like cheating you were on cheating the on them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I don't think they saw it. Uh, but uh, yeah, during the nineties, the media were, found me a bit of a fascination because here's this guy getting photos with, you know, Tom Cruise and Nelson Mandela and Audrey Hepburn and, you know, the Dalai Lama and of course in excess and you too. So they would do stories on me on those slow weeks when they had nothing to talk about. And uh, some of the stories were done on me were quite nasty. The, the media couldn't understand why this guy wanted to meet celebrities and get a photo with them. And, and uh, they just thought it was crazy. You know, some of the headlines were, you know, you know, this, you know, this stalker that meets celebrities, you know, why does he do it? Why does he get photos with them? I mean, I laugh at it now because, you know, these days people spend their, you know, they, have, they form careers out of getting photos with celebrities and they become Instagram influencers. Correct. I was way before that 30 years yeah, ago. Yeah, I, wasn't, yeah. I wasn't smart enough to become an Instagram influencer. <laughs> uh, so I was ahead of the game then. And I posted a little story online. I found a little uh, clipping where in 1999, uh, a, a magazine, he did a story on me and someone wrote in and they were just mortified that this guy would go and get photos with celebrity and really, you know, wrote this nasty letter to the editor about why Richard Simkin, why does he need to meet celebrities? And, you know, he's, he's a horrible person and, you know, you know, all that sort of stuff. So I laugh at it now because looking back on it, as I said to you, it's become the thing to do. If we're out and about and we see someone famous, you know, nine times out of 10 people go up and get a selfie now and put it on social media and they all get their 15 minutes of fame. But yeah. back when I was doing it, we had to have a camera with film in it, get the film processed. Hopefully it worked out, uh, but it was a whole different thing. But um, yeah, I was doing it 20, 30 years before most people were doing it. 
And, and, and just from looking at your photos, because we're friends on Facebook and things, and often you'll you'll do a top five going, which one out of these five people haven't I met? And I think I've got yeah. everyone wrong when I've a guess. I think I've said, you know, everybody but Mother Teresa you've met. But um, um, when I look Hang at on, the – Mother Teresa? No, sorry. <laughs> but when I look at the, the photos, and I, I look, I don't know whether this is something that you would agree on, but – it seems like the, the artists and all the people have a very genuine smile and are comfortable in the picture. It's not like this sort of rushed stop. Even though it may be rushed and stop, they just all seem yeah. to be quite beaming. I mean, there must be some photos you look at and go, well, don't they look relaxed and happy in the pic and I'm really proud of certain photos. Um, does that sort of resonate with you a little bit? It, it does. Look, when I started meeting celebrities in the late 80s, and you know, I stopped that. I, I went for like 25 years, so I started in 89 and set myself a goal many years ago that I wanted to continue to do it for 25 consecutive years. So I did it from 89 to 2013. So from 15 to the age of 40, I have an exhibition called Richard and Famous, which documents those 25 years of my life in photographs mm. with celebrities. And that's mm. quite a popular exhibition. Um, the thing with my photos is because I always approach them as a fan uh, I always ask them if I could have a photo. So it's not as if I'm like a paparazzi guy with a long no. lens just snapping and walking down the street. Yeah. I would approach them and give them a nice compliment, uh, sometimes get an autograph and then get a photo with them. So, so they're smiling. They're, they're happy yes. to do it. And, yeah. and in, the old, in the old days, I'll call it the old days because when I started, there was a real innocence to meeting celebrities where sometimes the celebrity would come out of the hotel with a pen in their hand just in case there was a fan outside with an autograph book wanting an autograph. These okay. days that doesn't happen. No, no. Um, the, the world of social media and also, you know, eBay uh, changed it all. These days, if you ask a celebrity for an autograph, there's a bit of hesitation because they think yeah. you might put it on eBay. And well, especially, especially sportsmen, you know, like that's a lot of money, yeah. sports signatures and things like that, that, you know, obviously uh, are done with – I know Tiger Woods, for example, he's always a bit nervous about signing autographs because of that. Um, well, they can see yeah. people like Tiger Woods, they and other celebrities, in, in fact, you know, musicians and, and, you know, actors, and you've got Comic-Con now, they, they charge a fee to have a photo with them and, and to get an autograph. So you can go to Comic-Con now and meet, say, Arnold Schwarzenegger. But for, you know, $800, you can get a photo and an autograph. You know, yeah. where I, when I was doing it in the 90s, I would yeah. I never even thought about paying someone for an autograph or a photo. Oh. If, you, if you're famous, I think that just goes with your job, that people are going to recognise you hmm. um, and ask you for an autograph and a photo. And, and as I said before, especially these days, everyone walks around with a camera because we all have phones on us now. So I think they're probably getting, they're doing more selfies now than what they ever did when I was doing it. Now, the, the, uh, it's funny to have monetized in the signature process. If there is a, uh, an artist, a band, a, a, a celebrity in the world that has learned the art of monetizing anything to do with their, their fame, and that's the band Kiss. Now, Yes, they're very clever. Gene and, Gene and Paul are very good businessmen. Yeah. And uh, they certainly have found a, a, a lucrative way to, you know, yeah, to make a lot of money out of being yeah. Kiss. Um, even though there's only two original members left in the band. Correct. Uh, so, you yeah, look, they're smart guys, you know, and if you can make a buck, why not do it? Uh, there's a there's a vault of all the uh, albums and everything there that are put together in some particular contraption. But Gene, uh, if it goes for twelve thousand dollars, and Gene will deliver it by person to to the home of the person yeah, who buys I saw it. That. Um, I saw that. 
and, and there is a famous American guy called Eddie Trunk. You might remember that show, that metal show, and he's a he's a very quite a famous sort of journo over there. And, and he, you everyone have a laugh. You talk about all the things that Kiss sell and make money from. I think yeah. there's guitars, you know, after a concert, you know, that that they sign and plug off. And he makes a joke that they're going to pull out about fifteen guitars and sign them per concert. You know, yeah, so, well, they probably so, do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're they're a real sort of uh, uh, merchandising business, but. Um, I guess bringing it back to in excess, uh, our past crossed a little bit, I guess, back in the early 90s, I think around the welcome sort of uh, to wherever you are, uni clubs, pubs, sort of tools and things like that. And um, I know uh, it was probably around the time where I think uh, we were uh, at various concerts yelling out JKW, JKW uh, for Just Keep uh, Walking. Was well, that, that was, was you, that was the, the Melbourne crowd and the Sydney crowd when we, I think we'd gone to either concerts and things like that. But uh uh, I remember quite, the night well. It was a yeah. pub gig and it was in the northern beaches of Sydney. Mm. Um, and I remember you guys from Melbourne there yelling out, you know, that for them to do just keep walking. I remember that very well. In fact, a friend of mine that particular night, I think, got on stage and did a little bit of, uh, I don't remember what song it was, but Michael pulled her up on stage and she got to sing a couple of verses with Michael. So I remember that night very well. I remember you guys yelling out uh, JKW. Well, uh, I, I guess for your, I mean, just in terms of the band itself, obviously you had a chance to meet them in 89. Uh, was that an extension of your fandom? What was your sort of first in excess memory or experience or what connected you with the band? Funny thing is most people talk, most people know me as either, you know, the guy that did Richard and Famous or the association with Michael Hutchins or in excess as a band. Um, my first love of music was, was, uh, you know, Chuck Berry and Jerry Lee Lewis. Um, in fact, my first concert I went to in 89 was, it was called Legends of Rock and Roll and it had Chuck Berry, Jerry Lee Lewis, Bo Diddley, uh, Mary Wilson of the Supremes. Um, it was a pretty epic concert. You know, there was, the, there was the 50s rock and roll, you know, pioneers. My first band that I really loved as a, as a kid and teenager was U2. So, um, you know, when Love Comes to Town Tour came out to Sydney in 89, that was my first kind of rock and roll gig that I wanted to go to myself. Mm. Mm. Um, my second favourite band was In Excess, and I found out about In Excess uh, through a guy at my school who, when, when Listen Like Thieves came out, I think I was like 12 or 13, yeah. um, he, he's like, oh, Rich, you've got to get into this album. It's brilliant. And so I went out and got Listen Like Thieves, and then he said to me, hey, a friend of mine works Triple M radio station and they've got stickers there for Listen Like Thieves. So after school one day, we went up, caught the lift up to uh, the Triple M radio station, went up to reception and said, hey, have you got any In Excess stickers? And the lady was like, oh, I think so, guys. So she gave us a bunch of In Excess Listen Like Thieves stickers, which a couple of years later in 1990, when I was at the studios when they were doing X, I got them autographed and I still have those stickers, you know, 35 years later. Um, so my first memory, memory was, you know, being at school, uh, my friends getting into in excess, getting me into in excess around the like thieves era. And, um, and then, and then it just took off from there. And of course, then when kick came out, the whole world just loved in excess, you know, everyone mm. loved my whole school was totally obsessed with in excess. Mm. Uh, and I was one of the kids that was, so for me, it was you two and in excess are my two bands. Now just linking, uh, two things, Siebel townhouse and Jerry Lee Lewis, etc. there, you know, I've been, I've stayed at the Siebel townhouse and I think on one of the mezzanine floors, there's a lot of photos sort of up on the wall. And I think there's like Dean Martin and all these different people who stayed there. I don't know whether it was, I saw a Jerry Lee Lewis pick or someone of that ilk or era. It could be Little Richard. Yeah. There's so many 
picture frames up on those walls at the scene. Yeah, they're all autographed. Who stayed there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, uh, and and in terms of sort of the U two stuff, we just finished a, a double episode on U two um, in terms yeah, of in excess versus U two. Um, and look, I'm not sure whether you had a chance to listen, but we we were trying to. Um, it was titled In Excess versus U2, and, and probably that was my 1992 sort of competitiveness, like why isn't it, you know, welcome more popular than Actong and, you know. But yeah, what, we, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what we tried to do with the episodes was just sort of do a parallel of the careers and just the journeys they took. But um, I, I must say I love the, the, the picture of you giving the book of Michael uh, that you did, Life in Pictures, to Bono. Do you want to just share that experience? Yeah. Oh, look, well, as I said um, I love you too, and I still do love you too as a band. I've met Bono many, many times. <clears throat> in fact, when they were here in 2010, I uh, had a really unique photo of Michael and Bono. Michael and Bono are on a yacht, and Bono's massaging Michael's foot. Oh. <laughs> um, Helena Christensen gave that to Kel and I as a gift, that photo. Wow. And uh, I got it blown up and gave it to Bono, and it just blew Bono's mind. He hadn't seen it before. Um, and he gave me the nickname of Richard the Lionheart, oh. uh, which I thought was quite cool. So every time he signed an autograph, it was always Richard the Lionheart, you know, and he oh, always write something funny. He's a clever guy. Um, but so when my book came out in 2015, Michael in Pictures, uh, it's a big coffee table book for those that don't know about it. Mm. It's about my time with Michael. It's not an autobiography or anything. It's just basically my time with Michael, uh, lots and lots of photos, many of which I took. And a lot of the early ones, of course, I wasn't around for that. So people like Bob King and other photographers, you know, gave me their photos for the book, which was very kind. Mm. Lots of memorabilia as well. Um, there's also a limited edition book of only 250 of it, of that book. And I had one or two of them. And I always thought, uh, if you two ever come out, I want to give Bono a gift. Because in 1998, in February 98, when you two were touring Sydney, I went down and met Bono. Uh, of course I did. And um, <laughs> showed him a bunch of my photos that I took of Michael over the years. And I said, Bono, one day I'm going to put a book out of Michael. I don't know how or when or how it's going to happen, but one day I'm going to have a book out about Michael. Can you write something for the book? So he was kind enough. This was February 98. So only a couple of months after Michael passed Yeah. to write this just on the spot. Like literally just, I gave him a piece of paper and a pen and he wrote this beautiful little poem, um, which I still have, of course. And many, 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 many years later, as I said, in 2015, my book came out. So last November, when you two were in Australia, I went to both the shows. In fact, one of them was on November 22. I know. The second one was 23. They, yeah. they did some love tributes to Michael, as you know. Yeah. Um, but I really wanted to give Bono the limited edition Michael in Pictures book as a gift to say thank you. Plus, I wanted him to see the book, you know. Um, so I... Uh, Long story, but basically I went down to the hotel for a couple of days. I got to know his personal bodyguard, Brian, and he told Bono about it. And then Bono came out one day and knew I was downstairs and I got to have a little chat with him. I gave him the book. Um, he was really gracious and kind. He said, I remember you from last time, you know, the Richard the Lionheart, you know, sort of joke was still yeah. there. He said he'd seen uh, some of my Michael photos over the years, which was a great, you know, highlight for me and a thrill for me to hear. Hmm. Uh, and I gave him the book and then he autographed my book. So I've got number one of 250 and he, he wrote uh, Bono uh, and Richard for, and then it said Michael in pictures. So it was quite a beautiful little thing that I have. And he also signed the Mystify poster as well. The, Richard Lowenstein was kind enough to send me a, a um, 
mystified poster and you'd signed it. And uh, so I, now I've got that poster signed by Richard and Bono, which I guess is probably the only mystified poster signed by both of the guys. Wow. And, and it's really my, 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 yeah. my aim now is to get Kylie and Helena to sign it. So that's my next aim. But with no traveling, I don't know how many years that's going to take because I have to wait for Kylie and Helena now to come out to Sydney. But that's on my list now. Things to do. Who took the photos of you handing the book to Bono? That that was just a fan standing next to me. Okay. Um, and instantly we became best friends and uh, she was kind enough to send those to me. Mm. Um, she, she was a fan from England. She, she traveled out from England to spend, you know, three or four weeks in Australia to see you too last yeah. November. So she, huge fan and a lovely girl. And so she was, I was lucky enough that she snapped a couple of photos as I gave Bono the book. Okay. And I, I guess uh, we spoke about last week that, I mean, I saw you two in 2010 uh, in Melbourne. They toured behind No Line in the Horizon. And in Melbourne, there was two concerts. I went to one. Of course, I went to the one where uh, he didn't really do much tribute to Michaels the next night. <laughs> um, yeah, okay. That aside, uh, I do know he, he did mention, I think, a little bit about Michael the concert. He said, oh, you know, he introduced so many great friends in Melbourne, you know, Nick Cave, uh, Richard Lowenstein, you know, a whole bunch of, uh, of people that I guess as we spoke in our podcast last week about the influence that Michael had on Bono, where, whether it came to Echo Homo, meaning Troy Davies, um, who did some stuff with Bono and The Edge on his uh, uh, single New York, New York, um, or whether yeah. it was the film clips that Richard directed or whether it was just Nick Cave being a fan of his lyrics, which Into Your Arms, you know, is something that he, he seems to bring into the bad song, doesn't he? You know, Bond in U2's bad. Yeah, he does, yeah. You know, he yeah, brings yeah. that lyric in. And I think there was those sort of influences through Melbourne and Sydney and through Michael that, you know, Bono met a, a world of people that then had a bit of an involvement in U2's career, you know, be it the Desire film clip, be it When Love Comes to Town, be it Angel of Harlem, you know. So they oh, seem to be quite kindred spirits. No, I think they were. And I think I think at that level of fame as well, it's hard to um, connect with somebody that understands what you're going through. So, you know, Michael and Bono, you know, in the late 80s and early 90s were the two sort of biggest rock stars in the world. So... Mm. It's almost like being in the royal family, you know, unless you're yeah. in it or, or unless you're one of the Beatles, you can't relate to anybody else because you're, you know, it's, it's very unusual. It's an unusual experience that you're both going through. So, well, um, and I think, I think Michael influenced a lot of people and Bono was just one of them. Well, one of the things that was interesting is that their careers when uh, Michael was alive was in a pre-internet era. It was a, a pre-social media era. So there's not a lot of photos out there, out there of them together. I think there's the one where I've seen them at the south of France around the pool with the edge. Um, yeah. There's the picture of Michael visiting Bono, I think, in the, in the Sydney, uh, in the green room uh, uh, before the, the Rail and Hum tour concert that night. Michael's sharing a beer or a crownie with, with, uh, yeah, with a Bono. Yeah, bit of, there's a bit of video of that. So yeah. um, I, think, I think it comes down to Helena Christensen. I think she was the one that snapped uh, a couple of photos. I mean, if you follow was, her on Instagram. Yeah, she was doing a lot of photography work, wasn't she? She was, yeah. Even last week I saw on Facebook there was a picture of Helena, Michael, Bono and The Edge and they had a rose in their mouth. You know, I hadn't seen it before. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm guessing that's come from Helena's archives. But, um, no, you're right. It was before... Uh, we all had cameras and, you know, carried cameras around with us. So there isn't a lot of photos, you know, yeah. with them, the both of them. Um, 
there's one or two of them, I think, leaving a club in London or something, getting into yeah. the car. And, and dr- yeah. they look as drunk as skunks, don't they? I think one, they one's wearing the... Really One's wearing the purple sort of outfit. Yeah. Bono's eyes look like he's had 64 David Boone beers on the flight over yeah. from Australia. Yeah. I would say I would say that's behind the story. But, um, yeah, no, you're right. There's not a lot of photos of, of them together, but probably probably for the best, really, because I'm sure they got <laughs> up to some things that they don't want, uh, you know, out there in the public domain. So, you know, good on them. Contemporaries of Michael, everybody from, uh, you know, Simon Le Bon, you know, Bono, Michael Stipe, uh, you know, Billy Corgan, all these different people, no one ever says a bad word about him. You know, he, the friendships and the rapport building he must have had and the respect level from those people to him and his talent always exceeded what the critics said about Michael, you know, in terms of praise. And I think, your, I think your peers are always a better uh, educator of what, praise and respect is about but he he never very very rarely had ever had a bad word said about him as a person or as an artist amongst his peers did you notice that oh look i know that 100 percent, and i know that because i got to know michael um i'll give you an example of that so i i first met michael at the Seagull townhouse there we go again the Seagull townhouse in 1989 and i found out he was staying there and i went down with a mate of mine and michael I, we heard this Harley Davidson roaring in the car park and we just had to guess it might've been Michael. He come up the car park and stopped the Harley and there's me and my mate hanging out with a pe- literally a white piece of paper, just nothing but a white piece of paper and a texter. <laughs> and um, he gave us this scribble autograph and uh, then he drove off on the Harley. My mate was like, oh, that's so cool. We just met Michael Hutchins, you know, and, you know, Michael had a helmet on. We didn't even see his face. And, uh, and I was like, oh, look, his autograph was really bad. And my friend's like, well, you don't even know what his autograph looks like. That's the first time I've met him. And I'm like, I might hang around and wait for him to come back and try to get a better one. So, you know, literally eight hours later, Michael comes back and I'm still standing at the uh, garage of the Seagull townhouse. His Harley goes down and I'm like, God, I've got to run down and get an autograph. So I run down to the, down to the Seagull's garage. Behind me, there was the hotel you know, doorman chasing this kid because I was chasing their <laughs> rock and roll into, you know, their, their rock star guest. Yes. And he was yelling out, Hey kid, come back here, come back here. He didn't want me to har- harass Michael Hutchins. And, um, I eventually got to Michael with this, again, a piece of paper and a pen. I didn't get anything fancy signed like a record or a poster. And, uh, Michael told the guy from the hotel, no, it's okay. It's okay. I'll sign for him. It's fine. You can leave us alone. So I went down there and he took his helmet off and now I first saw him, you know, in real life properly. And, you know, I was only 15 or 16 and I didn't know what charisma was, but my God, he just had something, you know, and he was really kind to me and, you know, son an autograph. He wrote to Richard in a rush. Thanks. You know, Michael Hutchins, 89. And to be fair, the autograph wasn't too different from the first one I got, you know, eight hours <laughs> earlier, but just to have that moment with him was awesome. You know, a couple of minutes, I went back to school the next day and I told all my friends at school, because as I said before, everybody loved in excess. This was 1989. So obviously kick had Correct. come out the yeah, yeah, yeah. was the year before. Yeah. We, we all still loved in excess at school. We were all teenagers. A mate of mine said, Oh, um, my dad's working at the Sydney opera house and in excess have been down there all week. Like just, I don't even know what they're doing, you know? Mm. And I had a mate of mine called James Smith, who's actually a famous uh, comedian now. He was on the Conan show in America recently. And Smithy said to me, Hey, why don't we go down to the opera house tomorrow and meet all of in excess? And I was like, hell yeah. So, you know, we went down there with our kick records and stuff, went around the back of the opera house 
And there they all were in this van doing a photo shoot. And it was just like, oh my God, it was just like, you know, you can imagine like being a kid, you walk around the back and all of in excess are just standing there like doing a photo shoot. And we didn't even know we were going to meet them. We just popped down to see what was happening. So we waited patiently. And then when it finished, we said, oh, hi guys, you know, we're fans. And my friend James was smart enough to have a camera. And we said, can we get a photo? And they're like, yeah, sure, guys, come up. So we went up and the first time we met all of In Excess, I got a group photo with them. I mean, that's just incredible. Because a group photo is very hard to get with any band because you've obviously got to have all members together at the same time. So I only had two group photos with In Excess in my whole life. One was 89 and one was 96 at the press conference for the ARIA Awards. So we we got the photo, we got the autograph, got talking to these guys. They were the coolest guys. Like we were just two, you know, kids. They were so nice and so friendly. And they mentioned that they were going to be recording an album soon. I think this was November 89. And um, I just stood out the front. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know where to go. It was this huge, like, 12-story building. I couldn't see any signs that said studios or anything. So I kind of just stood there for a little while. And then as fate had it, I heard Michael's Harley again, you know, and came around the corner, went into the car park. So I went down to the car park. He took his helmet off again and he remembered me from, you know, this was, I think like January and he was like, Oh, Hey, how you going buddy? And I was like, yeah, good. And, um, we got talking and he's like, Hey, get, come upstairs. You can get everyone to sign, you know, the record, whatever I brought with me. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. So I went up in the lift with him and I went up to the studios and he's like, just wait here. The other guys will be here shortly. So I waited. The other five guys turned up. They signed my record. And I thought that was pretty cool. I must have some more stuff at home. I'm going to go back the next day because I was on school holidays. You know, I had, you know, not a lot to do. Yeah. So I went back the next day and um, I met them all again. And then I went back the day after that and met them all again. And then I thought this is pretty cool about a week into doing this by myself, um, two other girls turned up and I said, Oh, do you, are you here for NXS? Cause I could tell they were just standing around and they said, sure we are. And I said, well, hang out with me. Cause I've been meeting them the last couple of days and they're the coolest guys. You autographs, photos, like they're really cool. Um, then it, I spent like five weeks of my school holidays hanging out in the foyer of the studios. And then it came time to go back to school and I thought, you know what, I'm having so much fun at the studios within excess. And I knew that I wanted to become a photographer. I said to my mum, can I leave school? I was only 16 and basically be a full-time pupil at the studios. And that's what I did. And I spent five months at the studios within excess. And these guys were the greatest six guys in the world. Like you've got to understand that I wasn't famous. My parents weren't famous. It's not as like if my dad was Bono or my dad was Jimmy Barnes, I hadn't come from a, you know, no. a record industry sort of world or anything. I was very middle-class suburban sort of kid. And these guys were the greatest guys, you know, photos, autographs, you know, inviting me and my friends into parties, into the studios, you know, we could watch them record. We could go, to, you know, anything we wanted. And we were there. I was there for five months, every single day, except for weekends. And I'm trying to put that into perspective because, you know, if you watch the movie Almost Famous, that kid that hangs out with that rock band, like these guys didn't have to talk to me every day and sign my autographs and pose for photos and invite me into parties or one night Michael took me and my friend Katrina in 
on a tour like for an hour and showed us how all the instruments work and showed us how they put uh, X together and took us into all the different rooms and took us to the mixing desk and explained what all the things did. And like, it was, you know, if you spend every day with someone or six guys for five months, you're going to form some sort of relationship, some sort of friendship. Yeah. And that's what I did over those five months. I formed this really innocent friendship with these six guys uh, that really, you know, I, people say, Oh, Michael took you under his wing, but all six of them took me under their wings. Um, and it was just an incredible time. And I was lucky enough to continue that friendship with the guys. I'm still friends with all of them now. Um, they're all great guys. Um, as we talked about this before my life, I went on, I became a photographer. I continued to do rich and famous where I got photos with celebrities. Now I've been photographed with between two to 3000 celebrities. That sounds mind boggling and might even give, um, people a, a bit of a shock that someone actually could meet that many people, let alone celebrities. But I, <laughs> you know, I spent a lot of time in Los Angeles and all that sort of stuff doing this. So I worked on Rich and Famous for a long time and I met the likes, as I said, of Bono, Dalai Lama, Nelson Mandela, Audrey Hepburn, you know, you name it, I've probably met the person yeah. and nobody comes close to, to, to Michael. He was, it's hard to put in words. Um, you know, why was he so good to me? Why did he always say yes when I wanted a photo or an autograph or if I had an idea for a photo shoot where I needed him to go to a destination and sit on a park bench for me for three hours. And, you know, he didn't have to do any of this, but you know, this guy was the kindest guy. And, you know, it got to the stage where when they toured, um, you know, I didn't, I didn't even have to think about buying tickets because Michael would always say, Hey, you've got tickets for the shows. No, I don't. Okay. I'll put you on the list. Hey, do you want to come backstage tonight? Sure. Let's go backstage. Like, he was the, he's one of the greatest people that I've ever met. And I know that I'll ever meet in my life. And he's just sits, he sits, he sits above everybody else. He's just, uh, it's even hard to put words into how special Michael was. Well, so, uh, so Richard, did you ever mention that to him? Did you ever have that conversation of like saying, why, why are you allowing me to get to you so close or what did you ever, were you able to say that to him? And what was never, his reaction? I, I never asked him why he was, you, you kind of, it's not a question you asked someone once you get to know them, like, you don't kind of say, why are you so good to me? Why are you so nice to me? I mean, I guess, I guess it was different for me because when I met him, I was like 15 or 16 and I was a pretty cheeky kid. Yes. Uh, now I'm a cheeky <laughs> old man. But, um, <laughs> I, yeah. So I, I think there was a great, we'll say all the time, our friendship was based on this really mention, I've met them all. I've just met Brad Pitt, Angelina Jolie, the most beautiful people, uh, most charismatic people. I really mean, Bono just, has a charisma I about it. I became fascinated with Michael Bono, in particular. Because Michael he, could just sit there and look at you and he was charismatic. He didn't have to say anything to you. So I never asked him why he was so kind. I just, and I never took it for granted either that he was so kind. Every yeah. single second that I was with him, I never took it for granted. Like, I would be in the car with him sometimes. Once I was in the car with him driving over the Harbour Bridge and he said to me, Hey, do you want me to take you to where, do you want me to take you to where we film? Just keep walking. Uh, and I was like, sure. So we, he, he, we're in his 1986 Jaguar and he takes me to this shed and there was this big fence around it. You know, this was 15 years, 12 years after they'd filmed the video clip. And he's like, Oh, we filmed it in there, but we can't get in. And I'm like, Hey, do you want to jump the fence? You know, me being like 19 at the time. <laughs> And he kind of looks at me like, no, I don't think we should jump the fence. You know, little did I know if Michael got caught jumping the fence with me, it would have made headlines around the world. But, um, but, you know, and then that night, funny enough, we got back in the Jag. 
we're driving over the bridge and the door song came on and Michael started humming it under his breath. And I'm like, you know, everyone said, you know, Michael Hutchins, Jim Morrison, Mick Jagger. It was always that comparison. And he goes, yeah, I love the doors. Um, and he turns up the song and then there he starts singing a, a song. So I, I'm hearing Michael Hutchins and Jim Morrison do a song together and I'm in the car like losing my mind. Um, but that was a fun night because all, it was a weird night in the car because that night also a bunch of girls uh, on the Hutt, Sydney Harbour Bridge noticed Michael driving. And in those days we had to stop to pay the toll. It was like $2. So when he stopped the car, they stopped the car next to us and just started screaming. And I could see Michael thinking, oh, no, I've been spotted. And uh, he kind of sat in the seat a little lower. You know, I noticed he kind of went down a little bit. Um, but he had to go to a hotel to pick up his wallet. I think he'd forgotten his wallet because he was going to go to the movies with Chris Bailey of the Saints. And uh, so we get to the hotel. Those girls, of course, followed us. Followed. And, and they jumped out of the car. And they're like, oh, my God, Michael Hutchins, we love you. We like, you know, the whole thing. And, like, we get an autograph. And he's like, yeah, sure, girl, sure. And Michael was running, like, 20 minutes late to meet Chris Bailey because I, I know he was like, oh, I'm running late, you know. And they're like, we don't have any pen or paper. So Michael takes him into the hotel lobby where he was staying Uh-oh. that time, asked the reception for some paper and a pen and gave them all autographs. They were all allowed to give him a kiss on the cheek. I mean, that just shows you, I mean, that's the kind of guy he was, you know. He was such a beautiful soul. A massive heart, a massive heart. Gosh, you're oh, so lucky to have had all that time with him and the rest of the band. Just oh, no, like absolutely. amazing memories, amazing memories. Thank you for sharing them with us. You know what? It's always a pleasure to talk about my time with Excess because um, it changed my life forever, you know. Uh, you know, here I am now 30 years on from meeting the guys and, you know, I'm still talking about my time with Excess. And as I said, it wasn't just Michael. It was all six guys. It was all, all six of them were fantastic. None of them were ever grumpy or nasty. And as I said, you know, we were little shits, me and my friends at the studio sometimes. <laughs> and the, the, we were also smart enough to realise that what we had with these guys was special. At the time, I said to the two girls, Katrina and Alicia, I said we should hire a video camera and film a little documentary of what it's like to be a fan at the studios with NXS. So then in 1990, nobody had video cameras. None of my friends had a video camera. Of course, there was no phones with cameras and, and, and videos on them. So I went to the yellow pages again, and I had to look for a company that, that rented out video cameras. And I found one that was like an hour and a half away from where I lived. And my mum drove me all the way out to this little shop in the Western suburbs of Sydney, we hired a video camera for like three or four days. It was like $400, you know, my mum paid for it. I think it was a birthday present possibly. Thank you, mum. Thank you, mum, yeah. And we filmed this doco. Look, we just rocked up to the studios with a video camera and not a little one, a big video camera. You have to put it on on your shoulder, you know. And, and, And when they'd go into the studios, we'd interview them every day and talk, hey, so what's your favorite song? What are you guys up to? And like, all six of them would do these long interviews with us, you know, and we'd go down to the car park and, you know, we'd film them driving out. We'd get their number plates. We're like, oh, how cool is this? Like there's John and his Porsche and Gary had a white Range Rover and Gary uh, Gary took us down and gave us like a 30-minute interview about how he just washed his car and like just <laughs> weird just weird stuff, you know. But, but you know, uh, 
it was just that that's how crazy it was like we had such great times and it, they were so kind to us not once did they say hey they never even said to us hey why have you got a video camera and what are you going to do with this footage just accepted it for what it was i have actually seen a few little clips of that i think you might have sent me some and um i think tim's telling you you've got to keep both eyes open i think you had one (laughs) eye closed is that right i sent it it to tim uh, a couple of months ago and he thought it was quite funny as well yeah so we we were yeah i had the video camera up and and i had one eye (laughs) closed and (laughs) <laughs> Tim's answering the questions and then mid mid answer he's like, Gee, you pull a funny face, Richard. And I'm like, What? He goes, You know, a real camera person keeps both their eyes open. So I open both my eyes and as soon as I do that, the camera sways off Tim's face because I can't even see him at this stage. And then Tim's like, Hey, there you go, Richard, now you know. And then he puts his finger up and he goes, See, you've got to follow my finger. What you know, follow this and follow this. And he swings his finger left and right. And I'm trying to film him and it's laughing. But it was such it it's a comedy moment. Time. It's a comedy moment. You'll have to share that with everybody because it is pretty funny. Well, I don't know about you, but I'm eager for more of that. Hey, Hayden, I can't wait to uh, get everyone to listen to part two. He's just got so many great stories. I'm just jealous. I, I, look at, <laughs> I look at his experiences and, again, that movie Almost Famous comes to mind, doesn't it? Like the little kid, 15, 16, on tour, yeah. uh, which was a true story, that movie about Cameron Crowe, the famous movie director who wrote for Rolling Stone. Uh, he went on tour with Led Zeppelin. Um, I feel like that's Richard's story, mm. but the Australian version of that. And uh, um, the photo you put up, I guess to promote this episode with Richard in the middle there yeah. it's like the, the Brady Bunch photo with the wall surrounding <laughs> him and um, you can see the see the love and rapport oh, that they had yeah. can't you yeah absolutely it's not it's not just yeah. a kid just just pulled in he was a friend wasn't he they really loved him it's correct, great correct yeah um, great thank but, you Richard again but, but he just into almost a time and a place where I was like, "Wow, what a what an experience that you can you could you could die a happy man," you know. Um, and and guys, there's so much more for next week's episode we haven't put in this week, so we hope it sort of you know wet the appetite for, for more of you listening in. And mm-hmm. um, I think all of us, in a way, and, and and if I could speak personally, we sort of try and sort of you know vicariously put ourselves into that in excess world and what it was like. And even this podcast, a lot of it's based on research assumptions and some facts that that I've delved deep on but Richard's a guy who actually lived it and was there and saw it and was part of it yeah so um, yes I'm very jealous but uh, also very very respectful of what he was able to uh, get up to in his time so uh, thank you Richard for part one and we we can't wait to unleash the rest on our listeners in part two AB no I can't wait agree thank you Hayden and B G'day to all the listeners of InXS Access All Areas. My name is Dr. Jim from Induct InXS Team, together with Lisa, Dina and Shannon. And in the coming months, you will discover seven special reasons that engage, educate and inspire you and why InXS should be considered for nomination into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Our goal right now is 100,000 signatures. So visit our website, inductinexcess.com. The links are there to sign the petition, as well as social media links to Facebook, YouTube and Instagram. Thank you, Hayden and B. Speak soon. 100,000 signatures. Stay young.
1986, right in that wheelhouse where music was really, really becoming important as that teenager. And uh, there's a look, I will alert listeners, I've gone a little bit large uh, for this montage, uh, but thank God we have a montage because it will reduce the time you have to listen to these. But I hope there's some nuggets in here that you like just as much as I do because I've gone 10 songs, B. So we're going to have to get the quick edits out, but uh, take it away. Very indulgent, very self indulgent here. (laughs) Mr. Hayden, it is, I'll yes. lay you. It I'll is. lay you this. Okay, yes. here we go. some there that I have never heard of. I've never heard of this David and David, but you say you've been playing that a lot lately. Well, it's called Welcome to the Boomtown. It was the one we started off with, and uh, the interesting thing about these guys is they they were like two hit wonders and then sort of disappeared, but uh, one of the band members actually went on to write a whole lot of stuff for Sheryl Crow's debut album. 
uh, and they formed Tuesday Night Music Club, which was the name of Sheryl Crow's album. Yes. Uh, one of the other guys went on to make that famous song in, uh, the, I think, Academy Award in uh, Moulin Rouge, the one that Ewan McGregor and Nicole Kidman sang. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it Come As You Are or something like that or whatever so these guys uh, probably known for what they did post their band but that was a bit of a favourite um, yeah. heard Always The Sun The Stranglers in there all the things she said she said Simple Minds No Lies Lies by Noiseworks an Aussie band but yes. John Stevens B that was his first ever hit single in Australia uh, the way it is Bruce Hornsby loved the piano big time Peter Gabriel oh, Missionary big. Man Eurythmics used mm-hmm. to scare me it still scares me Mean to Me, Crowded House, their first ever hit. Love it. Uh, Ship of Fools, World Party. What a song. Where up? Cameo. <laughs> yeah, I still love these songs. <laughs> yeah, great songs, great songs. Okay, now we're going for yeah. the... You're going to really say crap. Can I I alert listeners, there's some real, some real shite in this list of five. (laughs) I've come come up with five, so, but look, they'll they'll speak for themselves. Take it away, B. of crap there <laughs> listen if, if you ever want to take something to, to sort of self nauseate yourself just watch the film clip for that's what friends are for oh. that's just vomit inducing Kyrie Mr. Mr. I, I couldn't choose between that and wings so I put Kyrie in uh, party all the time Eddie Murphy I mean come on Eddie stick to the comedy Glory of Love, Peter Cetera. It's like a weekly edition, Peter Cetera from Chicago. Uh, the, the film clip itself uh, almost makes uh, one to vomit. And, 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 that, and, and Billy Ocean, there'll be sad songs. I mean, Billy, everything you did was a sad song. Go away. You did go away, thank God. 
Get into your car and drive off. <laughs> okay. Can't wait to do mine. Because mine will be well, better. Do you know why I hate Billy Ocean too? Because uh, one of his songs, I think, was Get Into My Car or whatever there. Oh, get knocked, into uh, well, my kept, car. Uh, kept Devil Inside off number one in America. Oh. So I've always been anti Billy Ocean oh. for that. Yes. Yeah. How dare he. Okay. All right. Let's go for the rap. Oh, well, we made the end of episode 16, uh, part one of our Richard uh, deep dive. But uh, look, always enjoy this, and I hope the, the listeners, uh, you know, check this one out uh, in detail in the next one, you know, in terms of just the Richard stuff and, and really sort of share and interact with each other. Um, um, now, I need an English correction, B, which is quite rare in these podcasts between us. Please educate me a little bit about Patreon and patrons. Okay, so you keep getting it wrong, and I had to find out about this because you kept trying to correct me. It's about time I did correct <laughs> you, actually. So it's called a Patreon system or a Patreon program, but the actual people that are in the Patreon program are called patrons, just patrons, which is what's been written everywhere and then you kept telling me it was patreon so they're our patrons okay got it <laughs> got it got it um i want to just got go it. back to the richard bit if i may because i've had a few people because richard's book um michael hutchins in pictures is no no longer in print but you can get no. copy you can still get copies um secondhand copies and and because it's such a beautiful book they're usually um well looked after but there's a place called abbey books which is a b e b double o k s abbey books and um that's a great place to get any of your um michael in excess books that's where i get a lot of mine from as well secondhand books they're great have you ever been on that website Look, I haven't, but I I think that uh, this is a book that needs relaunching. And I know Richard Mm. said that the cost of putting together was quite prohibitive, um, again. But I would love to think that, you know, who knows, maybe our podcast, maybe our fans, maybe we can do a crowdfunding thing to get this book out because there's some people selling it on eBay for $700, which is just obscene, you know, Um, um, according to Richard. So if we maybe are to do something to help Richard get this book sort of uh, reprinted and sent out and, and out into the marketplace, it's such a, mm-hmm. uh, a, a welcome thing to have. And with only 250 in the world, it's now demand and supply. People are now, you know, bidding it up and things like that. And Richard himself has only got a couple of copies. So um, and maybe, it's, maybe there's something we can do to support this anyway. Well, although saying that, a girlfriend of mine um, at Christmas, um, there were, at Sanity Records, you've heard of those in Australia. There's a couple of yep. those been closing down and they've got them in the back room still. So if you've got a Sanity oh. Records near you and it looks like it's closing down, you ask them to look out in the back room, see if they've got um, a, a book for you. Might work. Or, okay. or, or, or anything in okay. excess, to tell you the truth. It's worth asking. But normally it's illegal to look for books out in the back rooms of retail stores, uh, <laughs> B. Normally they're the more uh, funny rated ones, but uh, this, yeah. This one isn't. Get it. Good. I want to get Good. the black version and you um, go get both. 
Cool. Now, just in terms of some platforms, just to remind listeners where they can also uh, engage with us and also where they can hear this podcast or share it out. We are in a variety of areas, and uh, I know for us, interacting with 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 uh, you know participants and, and listeners is always fun. Um, do you want to share some of that with uh, everybody out there? Okay, so in excess, access all areas, you can find us on, um, mainly find us at Facebook. That's where we launch everything from. So you can interact us, with us there and, and with other Uber fans too. And you can inbox us personally through that too. We also have um, an Instagram page in access, uh, in excess, access all areas. And you can um, also inbox us through that as well. Through the Podbean platform, you can put comments up, which is great. We like to see those. And please love um, each episode and, and share away. Now, for the Patreon system, for the patrons, um, you can just click a button on the Podbean and you can donate straight from there. But unfortunately, if you go via Spotify or iTunes or any of the other platforms like um, TuneIn and you can go through Apple Play, that's, that isn't there. So what I've done, if you can get back to the Facebook page, I've actually put um, a little button there that will take you straight to um, the Podbean. All you have to do is sign up. There's no money involved in that. You just sign up and you can just get on and listen um, to um, the, the, the podcast at any time there. So that's the best way to come and listen to us is through Podbeam if you can excellent all right looking ahead uh, we will be doing Richard part 2 next week we will be doing a Zoom call the following week and then we will be doing Listen Like Thieves album review the week after so I thought we'd better give you three weeks worth of uh, knowledge about what's coming up Um, in our Richard uh, discussion whether it's come out in today's or next week's uh, we do know that Richard is a big lover of the song New Sensation. So we thought that uh, as a tribute to Richard getting on to this episode, we would put that out as our sort of uh, send-off song for the day. But we're going to do a little bit of a twist with it because uh, what was quite interesting is that uh, Richard did text us literally about half an hour after the podcast podcast finished yesterday. So he's got in the car and turned the radio on. Guess what song was on? Well, New Sensation. I'm Talk about uh, kismet, <laughs> destiny, uh, Michael's little uh, <laughs> Michael's little sort of message from above. So mm-hmm. we, we're going to put New Sensation on, but the slight twist with it is uh, we are going to put on the Nick 12-inch mix. Uh, some of you may not have heard this. It is on some of the kicks, uh, the kick album extended sort of versions or the deluxe versions or the, the, the anniversary versions. Um, I first heard this in a nightclub as a young guy uh, in about 1988 as I was newly allowed in. And uh, it kicks ass. Um, um, and it is something that is really, really cool. So as our tribute and thank you to uh, to Richard for being on today, this one is for you. Bye from me. Goodbye from B. Bye, everyone. Yeah, baby,